0: Hello there, and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening are Adam White and Jeremy Smith. It's just me, or are international breaks getting exciting? We have a fallout from France's Nations League tie, and a look ahead to the league weekend after the latest headlines. Les Bleus sit top of Group A1 as they came from behind to beat Germany 2-1. An Antoine Griezmann double-sealed victory as Didier Deschamps' men now need just on point to qualify for the finals in the summer. In Ligue 1 news, Lyon announced that captain Nabil Fakir will be out until early November. The forward suffered an ankle injury against Paris Saint-Germain, which forced him to pull out of the recent French internationals. And that's all for now. But for all the latest in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with that midweek fixture for France as they knocked off Germany uh, eventually. Adam, it was a tough first half for Le Blue and uh, arguably, um, Demandschaft could have been two, three, four goals ahead on another night. But at the same time, Antoine Griezmann reminded everyone just how important he can be, even though there's a, a certain Mbappe in the, in the uh, squad at the moment. But uh, nonetheless, the three points was the main objective and, and that's exactly what France got.
1: Absolutely. And I think by the final whistle, it was what they deserved. Um, you're absolutely right, though. Looking at the first half, um, the Germans could have been could have been out of sight. And, and I think if Leroy Sané... Had been a little bit more sort of flush with confidence and a little bit more sort of assure of himself than than Germany probably would have been outside. A couple of times where Germany counterattacked and had a bit of a three-on-two situation. France's fullbacks unusually high up the pitch for this sort of Didier Deschamps this incarnation of Didier Deschamps team, and and Sane picked the wrong pass or played overhit a pass or played played it at the wrong time, and and the sort of the, the threat was sort of diminished. Um, it was very fortunate from France's point of view. This has turned out to be a very extre- a very sort of close group, given that the Germans lost 3-0 in Holland. And obviously France and Germany have had two very, very close games and the Dutch have had two games to play. Um, if, if this game had finished anything else in a, Fran- a French victory, you know, you would have gone into those final two games with with all three teams uh, in contention. But as it was, um, whatever Didier Deschamps have at halftime half-time certainly worked. And, and you're actually right, Antoine Griezmann was superb in the second half and, and has proved... Once again, that although he may not be particularly consistent for Lille, he is, on occasion, um, the world beater that he he proves that he can be at Atletico Madrid, and that was the case uh, on 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 this particular occasion. So, I think um, it, the, the thing that sort of sticks out for me from this game, apart from the fact that France's performance picked up in the second half, was that Lechamp had said in the build-up that uh, in previous games since the World Cup, you know, they have a style of play and they have a method, and they hadn't performed that method particularly well so far but to beat the germans they would have to do it again but much better compared to what they did against iceland and compared to what they did when they drew near of germany in the in the previous international break and that wasn't the case for the first 45 minutes but it certainly was the case for the second 45 minutes and and france won in what has become a particularly sort of french national team style this sort of thing that uh has kind of bred for um for les Bleus has has sort of manifested itself as as their their sort of them their, their sort of modus operandi if you like and and it, it proved uh, fruitful again so um a brilliant second half huge congratulations to Deschamps again they haven't played particularly well but they've won the game and and uh, they're probably favorites to win this this nations league so um uh, fantastic stuff apart from anything else and, and Deschamps Deschamps proved that he is a shrewd coach once more
0: Yeah, and that's the interesting thing heading into the the next round of fixtures. It's it's, unless Netherlands win both of their games and and France obviously lose to the Netherlands, then they're practically sealed that next stage. And and looking at the teams going through, I mean, Belgium look like the most likely from their group, really. It looks like it'll be a shootout between England and Spain. It's going to be pretty much Portugal unless Italy do something about it. in their final fixture against them with Portugal already having a game in hand, as well. With that sort of field, with the teams that are in, involved in that, other than maybe you might say the Belgians might cause some trouble, Jez, you have to give France as the favourites now to, to win this competition entirely.
2: And they're the world champions, so <laughs> in theory they should be in favourites pretty much in any match they're playing at the moment. Um, you know, Belgium showed what a good team they are against France and since as well. I'm um, not two or three outlets today suggesting that Brazil is the best player in the world at the moment. I'm not sure about that, but there's certainly no doubt they're a good team. And, you know, things have gone slightly differently in the semi-final. They could very easily beating beating France, and you know, certainly the Belgian up after the match suggested that they felt they were the better team. So it's certainly not a formality, but um, yeah, France should have the the beatings of, of of the teams that they're likely to meet if they get through, but you know, it's, it's certainly not, nothing's a formality. Um, Spain have outplayed France, I probably from memory of the last two or three times they've played them. Um, and, and yeah, like I said, Belgium are a good team. Portugal, I still would expect France to be nine times out of ten. It's, it's sort of one time out of ten is the year. 2016 final, kind of. but yeah, France should. Have the confidence to, to go out into any match expecting to win.
0: Exactly. And at least the thing is now we don't have to wait too long to get the resolution of who will be in that Nations League final games. There's another international break on uh, mid-November, so around about just uh, almost exactly a month's time, slightly under a month's time. But uh, we'll see if France can pull it off against the Netherlands, uh, back in the Netherlands, in fact, and get at least a point that we'll see them through to that final stages in the summer. On to domestic action now when it's back this weekend starting on Friday night with Leon taking on Neem. And I the important bit of news from this one, we mentioned it very uh, during the news section really, is that Nabil Fakir will be out, Ginezio saying, at least for the next three games, but it could be um, until mid-November. They're, th- they're fearing at least anyway, but for the time being, the captain will be out of action and that's Especially heading not just into this game, but in the Champions League game in midweek, uh, a bit of a bitter blow for them.
1: Yeah, it really is a bit of a a bitter blow. I think though that this this kind of situation has has been eased in that that situation being that when one of one of um, Leon's really premier players, which to be honest at the moment is kind of for Kieran and Dombele, that you know they're the top two at the moment. Depay's moves to season hasn't been as productive as the end of the last season um that situation losing one of those has been eased some extent by a couple of factors um they they, they firstly they, they sold mariano diaz who was who was obviously um had a brilliant season last year uh, 18 goals um and was was although um prolific in front of goal perhaps found himself out of the, the first 11 um uh, as sort of the best first 11 as it came to it at the start of this season which is probably the part of the reason he was sold and they got such a good deal for him um, but he's been replaced by Moussa Dembélé, who perhaps isn't as as much of the well-rounded finisher that Mariano Diaz yet. But he's still an extremely good player, and he still can can slot into that Lyon team quite sort of seamlessly. And the the second thing is is the fact that Papa Diop has finally emerged as a, as a viable option in midfield. You know, Lucas Tissot dropped out for that Manchester City game, and Diop and Dembélé were brilliant as a two in that midfield together. So Lyon, although they perhaps have lost their their most creative player. They, they sort of gained a couple of, a couple of options in, in that team, which allows Genesio to reshuffle that 11 a little bit. And when Fakir's in the team, it does kind of pose a selection issue um, as to where Hosta Marfitson, does he play on the left? Does he play attack midfield? Does he play central midfield? Um, and and to where sort of Bertrand Troy plays. Does he play out front? Does he play on the wing? Do they use Memphis Depay as a central striker? Without Fakir, at least, there's a little bit, there's still coherence there. And even though Fakir doesn't, doesn't, isn't going to be playing for the next two or three games, they they can morph into a team that still has that coherence, that the kind of almost. It's, I think this is an interesting point. It's like a Leon, like a Leon sort of branded kind of coherence. Like it doesn't necessarily pay off all the time, but they have a certain style, and that style perhaps has been exposed by perhaps more defensive teams when they've kind of pressed, um, pressed them on and 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 sat in and, and kind of frustrated them. But there is a there is a certain a certain essence to the way Leon play. And I think that, that is maintained even without Fakir in the team, for the talents of Asamawa and Antungi Undabele and, and Memphis Depay. So although losing Fakir perhaps is losing their most talented player, the 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 essence of the team remains in the fact that they've got those options and can morph into a 4 three or to a four-two-three-one and and continue to play that that same style of football, which has on occasion served Bruno Giessio really well in the last sort of 18 months or so. So I think that although fakir will be, be be a huge miss in, in, in the Champions League in terms of Leegin, you would hope that they, they have the talent to still to continue to, continue to impress and continue to to, to pick up points.
0: Yeah, especially in this game on Friday against Anim's sign, Jez, that we we did praise a lot at the start of the season for the amount of goals they scored and their, their competitiveness, but they've now not won since that victory against Marseille in week two. They've also not scored in their last three games, although they have picked up Two points during that stage, so at least they're not losing game. But Bernard Blackart's side are starting to creep into their shell a little bit, it seems. Are you a little bit worried that that the enthusiasm from the start of the season is is ebbing away from them a little, Le Crocodile a little? Uh,
2: A little bit. It's hard to say. I mean, as you said, they've they've really sort of lost their scoring form and only scored one in their last four. You can look at it another way and say they've only lost one in their last five, but then. They also haven't won since the, the second week when they that bringing it against Marseille. So, you know, there's ways to look at it either way. You could say, you know, at least they're still proving difficult to beat, but they certainly need to, to start finding those scoring boots and, and getting some points on the board. This certainly isn't the easiest place to do it. Um I don't worry about them yet, but, yeah, they are slipping down the table a little. They, they need to sort of get back into form. Um, I think at the, at the start of the season, what was great was that it seemed that the danger was coming from so many different different parts. There was Tiu, Luka, Bobby Sean scored a couple of good goals, and that's without um, you know, Ali Uri or Bosco, I think only got one goal over the two stars last year, and they haven't done too much yet. So there are options there, but um, yeah, I think maybe there was, I don't know, about beginner's luck, but possibly sense of the unknown in the first two three matches which was great for them and not so good for the opposition maybe they're now starting to be worked out but it, in a way this might be i said it's not not an easy place to go obviously leon being one of the top teams and, and playing at home but um you know that it's difficult to know where leon are after the psg match because they, they it's a weird thing to say after a 5 0 defeat, but how she would even play so badly? And you could, it's possible that kind of coming off that match, they, they sort of could really have their confidence knocked. And if I was Niamh, I'd, I'd be sort of really going for it early on, because if they were to get an early goal, I could see Leon heads going down a little bit. Um, but you know, overall, I think it's, I still expect a the
0: win. And that's the thing. You you hit the nail on the head really there, just that, that some of these players aren't quite hitting the level we expected. Like a, a Bozok, obviously top scorer in league 1 last season. I'm looking at Fethou mawasu who started getting some games now. He needs to show his worth after a, a rocky spell at Rhetan last season. Buang has not been quite as electric as he has been in the first couple of games and has found it a little bit harder to get back into the side as well. It, it needs a little bit more from some of these players. and At least they tend to turn up again these big teams in Marseille and Paris saint germain So let's get some predictions. Uh, Adam, what do you think in this one?
1: Um I think that the meme style of play will play into sort of Leon's hands that, that, that they won't necessarily sit off and they'll they'll play their usual style, which which helps because they don't they don't play particularly well against those teams to sit in. So high scoring but Leon to win three two. Jez. Uh I'll
2: go three one, same thing. I think Nîmes ne- can't scare scare Leon but. Um, Lyon should have too much, and yeah, the fact that Nîmes won't won't sit back and just try to get a 0 0 will probably see Lyon
0: overall. Mm, I, I think I'm going to go with a 3 0 for Lyon. I'm a tad, tad worried about Nîmes, especially after the result against France last time out. I, I would have expected them to really win that if they were really going to. Continue pushing and showing improvement, but a tad, tad worried. Um, on to our next fixture on on uh, on Saturday, about another team that's got me a little bit worried that I was excited about, and that's uh, Dijon, who had an excellent start to the season, uh, as many teams really we've mentioned already have, um, Adam. But those three wins have turned a little bit sour in the in the last couple of weeks. They haven't won since that victory at Nice. They've lost six of their next seven games which is not comfortable reading for any of them especially now the goals have dried up as well they've not scored in four they've not well, not scored in five of those six games either uh, are you a little bit fearful for oliver del men they're not quite hitting the, the cylinders that they were beforehand adam
1: no not at all um it, it definitely is worrying you know one draw in the last in the last five league games after a really promising start it's difficult to sort of pinpoint what exactly is going wrong. Obviously, you know their finishing hasn't been anywhere near as sort of efficient as it was last year. It's got a lot of goals, particularly at home. Um, and I, I personally would look towards the, the 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 absence of of a couple of midfielders, and and in particular uh, Kwon, who was the South Korean, who was fantastic last season, and perhaps a little bit underrated in terms of his his effect on the team because Dijon's midfield is is a little bit. They're all very similar, and I wouldn't say one-dimensional, but they're all very similar in terms of players. When so you look at players like Quan, Niamsletti, Chibos, um, um, Media Bede, you know, it's Maritano as well? Um, they, they're very similar in terms of that sort of that waspish um, intensity that they play with, and and Julio Tavares, the striker, kind of acts as a, as a sort of a centre point, and then the midfield would kind of sort of be a very fluid setup behind him, and and Quan epitomised that, that that way of playing. He was the most Dijon player, if you like and and the fact that he's been injured since the end of last season got injured at the end in the last game of last season um and has not recovered and isn't expected to recover until the new year has has proved in the, in, in sort of the medium term to be a really really big miss and, and they're struggling to replace not just his his pace and intensity but his, his trickery and his, his vision as well um having not particularly not particularly gone, gone big on, on signings in the summer. Again, I know Jules Cater came in. I know Johan Gorkov came in. And, and although Jules cater has been good off the bench occasionally, Johan Gorkov has, has has failed to impress so far, which is which is a real shame given what a talent, talented player he is. Obviously, injuries are a huge caveat to that. So perhaps that they've they've not, although they're continuing to play the same way that we, we we talked about on the pod a lot last season and, and really enjoyed, they're just struggling to realise that that style of play. Um, without Kwan and without uh, who I personally like Samaritano who, who's been in for the last four games as well so yeah I, I would argue I really am worried about him, especially when you look at those results you know a 2-0 defeat at home to Caen I think and 2-0 a 3-1 a defeat at home to Angers who were you know I'm a big Angers fan Nathan they were they were very very good in that game um but it, it just shows that they're playing the same way they're attacking but they're not finishing chances off and they're susceptible as a result to counter-attacks and and without Quan and without Samaritano and perhaps a little bit of lacking in confidence after that, that poor run, they really are on the slide. And when you look at the lead table, it's extremely close between Stade who are 17th with 10 points, and you go up to Angers with 11 points in 10th. These are one of those teams that have slipped back into that, that, that pack of very similar ability sides who, who could be threatened by relegation when it comes towards the end of the year. So... To answer your initial question, I, I would say I am worried about them because they, they, I don't know how they can arrest that slide unless Delalio changes his 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 setup and his, his his philosophy, which I don't really see him doing. Perhaps uh, a move towards a more pragmatic defensive style might get them a few more points, might return a little bit of confidence, and when they get those players back, they can start to be a little bit more expansive. But I don't see him doing that. So when you look at their players, the games to come, you know, they're home to Lille, away at Monaco, who is a is you know it's very difficult how they're going to how they're going to and how they be under Thierry Henry, home to Nîmes, who are also a very attacking team, and then away at Marseille. Those four games are potentially very, very difficult. So you could find them in the relegation zone when it comes to the next international break. So I think Diallo, Diallo's face a very difficult choice. Does he keep faith with his philosophy, or does he change up and does he sit and defend and try and get a few points from those four difficult games? And the wrong decision could, could leave them in, in real relegation trouble.
0: Absolutely, and you have to be worried if you're in any of those group of seven teams, really, that the teams below you are Monaco, who aren't going to end up there you can't imagine and Nolte who've got the talent to definitely not end up there either and Gangomp who've started to maybe turn a corner in the last couple of weeks before the international break to to maybe force themselves out you do maybe have to fear about that a little bit at least but they they face a very good team at the moment which is even more worrying really for them Jez in in Lille who've worked terrific last time out again against uh, Saint-Étienne and we've, we've heaped praise on them this season and the next couple of games before that international break other than an interesting tie against uh, Paris Saint-Germain on the second uh, games against Strasbourg the game, uh, they've got a chance to against Conn as well the week after they've got a real chance to establish themselves in the, this uh, top three in the table with the others still uh, chasing them behind them
2: Yeah I think I mean Obviously, if you, if you discount PSG and what they're doing, but they're sort of playing in a different league to everyone else. Lille have clearly been the team of the season so far. Um, I think a, a few people tip them to do reasonably well, maybe the outsiders for Europe, but I don't think anyone expected them, firstly, to be doing as well as they, they have been so far, and secondly, perhaps more importantly, be playing with the, the kind of verve and excitement that they're playing. And, um, you know, it's, it's the front three in particular in three of the front four, depending on the formation they're playing. But um, you know, Bam, Bamba, Pepe, and Ocone have been the, the real sort of catalyst for the exciting football. But even behind that, the, you know, the defence has been steady. Menuil stepped up again when he needed to. Ballot is getting really good reviews and, and breaking into the France under 21 team. So the, the whole team is playing its part. And you know, it's great to see that Gautier, who I think most of us sort of liked and respected at St Etienne, but where he played very much a defensive style of football, but he's shown that he can really be um, adaptable and adapt his teams and, and and play this kind of attacking football. And um you know they're already sitting relatively pretty in second place and as Adam said, there's a there's a really good chance for them to kind of solidify that in the next couple of matches. Um last year going to Dijon you just said it would be a really tough year to go a uh, place to go, but it's been bizarre this year that their form has sort of Really flipped whereas well, at the moment it's not great form anywhere. But the form that they have to speak of is is away from home, and at home they've lost three out of four. So um, from a leap from a Leal point of view, both both because their style of play kind of suits fast breaking, so in a way it's it's sitting the suiters playing away, and also because Dijon haven't been so strong this year at home. You know, there, there's no reason whatsoever why Leal shouldn't be looking at this and thinking a really good chance to take another
0: three points and, and you know, stay well ahead of the likes of, of Marseille and Nino. Absolutely. I, I want to point out um, uh, one player I've liked, Zeki Shelik as well, the, the left back, uh, the, sorry, the, the, the wing back from uh, from Turkey, the 21-year-old. He's been uh, pretty good at the start of the season. Not really a name I'd, I'd really heard of, although coming from Istanbul's <laughs> sport... Um, in the summer and, and he's been really impressive when he's, when he's played. I, I, I like his style, he, he, he's a bit more of an attacking one but he, he does support the the attacking player as well and, and helped to create one of the goals at the um, last weekend as well. A really tidy little player This better than they've had some of those signings this season than the last season buying a load of young players that we had a lot of expectations on and didn't really uh, do much from that at least. But let's get some predictions and I'll start with yourself, Jez what do you think of the score will be in this one?
2: Uh, I think this
1: one could be tight. I think Dijon are going to have to find form sooner or later, but um, I'll say 2-1 to Lille. Adam? Um, I
0: think a similar story for for Dijon. uh, 3-1 Lille. Yeah, I I fancy a 2-0 Lille winner. They're just uh, uh, firing on all cylinders at the moment, and this is not the kind of game Dijon want to be walking into to recover their current form on 2 the big match, really, you might say, of uh, this weekend. it at least have a lot of French and English eyes on it as Thierry Henry makes his managerial debut at Strasbourg for Monaco. Um, Adam, we've not heard your thoughts on the uh, prolific striker's uh, appointment at the Principality Club. What do you think to the move? And uh, ahead of his first game, it'd be interesting to see exactly how he sets up his store. Will it be more Wenger? Will it be more Guardiola? Or will it be something a little bit different?
1: Yeah, I think first of all, it's an extremely exciting appointment. Um, um, it's it's and 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 can only benefit Gun. Although I am surprised that Monaco didn't do more to hang on to Leonardo Jardim. Although obviously there's there's caveats there with the fact that you know I think they both sides are kind of admitted that it wasn't really working out. I think the style of club that Monaco are Leonardo Jardim is, has proven on countless occasions that he is the perfect manager and arguably the best type the best of of that type of manager to to manage that Monaco project in developing young players and finding a way to be successful at the same time so I'm first of all I'm amazed that they didn't try and and talk him around and say you know um the recruitment hasn't been hasn't been spot on and 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 you're still our man I I personally would have thought they would have gone with that but um aside from that Henri is a a really exciting appointment the thing for me that sticks out with with Henri is that um is that what can we expect from him because Obviously, he's a he's a rookie as as to, in terms of the managerial spheres of 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 Ligue 1 and of any any league at all. You know, obviously, he was assistant manager with Belgium Roberto Martinez. But to know what style of play or plays going to going to sort of espouse is very very difficult. And I think this is a situation when he was lined up as Bordeaux coach that Bordeaux fans and 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 the hierarchy were a little bit unsure as to what to expect. You know, you get swept up in excitement of Thierry because obviously he's a legend in France and he was a, an unbelievably good player. And, and and as and as a coach, you you hope that um, he's going to to going to sort of um, espouse a very similar style of play to to the to the way that he played. But it's very difficult to know if that that's going to be the case. And it's also very difficult to know that if he's going to be if that is the case, is he going to be good at translating those ideas that he expressed so wonderfully on the pitch to his players? And and how quickly, if if he can do that at all, how quickly that's going that process is going to take. You, so you, as as a sort of initial reaction, you think pace and skill and attack, and that th- that would make sense. But apart from being, you know, occasionally eloquent on Sky Sports, we don't know that's that's you know we don't really know what Henri's philosophy is. And and that's, you have to kind of look back a little bit, and you have to say who are the managers that have influenced him. And and you, as you said, Arson Wenger obviously would be a big influence. Pep Guardiola would be a big influence as well. Obviously having played under him at at Barcelona. Um, and and a combination of the two would be brilliant. But the only thing is, it's a risk to say that great player obviously understands the game very well and has had a, a brilliant schooling in, in terms of the coaches he's played under. It would be a risk to say that those things will definitely coalesce and those things will definitely mean success on the pitch in what for Monaco is usually a sort of very sort of short time period. They expect success every season and this year they will still be aiming for the Champions League. Or as difficult as that looks, you know, but currently being in the bottom three, so I think it's a huge risk from Monaco's point of view to one sack Jardim, who is a proven, a proven manager and a proven manager of the type they need. And from my point of view, it, it was just that the recruitment was really poor this summer, and not that Jardim let the club down. The club and the and Michael Minao in particular let Jardim down, rather than it being the other way around. And to to, to go with a complete rookie and someone who is is not particularly. Um, au if you like with with the day-to-day running of a club management style um is is a huge risk but i mean we're gonna whatever happens we're all going to enjoy watching it unfold so i think it's 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 great for the league and it'd be really exciting for the rest of the season but i have my doubts over whether it will work out or not
0: yeah we saw last time a sky sports talking head took a managerial job it maybe didn't go quite as planned but we'll <laughs> shall wait and see. Sorry, at least this okay. one
1: speaks language so yeah. <laughs> <I> mean, he <laughs> gave, he gave
2: uh, his press conference yesterday was was really impressive and obviously he's always kind of talking to good game so I mean he you can't really get anything into anything basically until until he, he starts the job but I think he's kind of been not dealt a tough blow. I mean you know, he's you chosen to take the job but he he himself sort of pointed out it's very different taking over someone else's team in 18th place than having a new summer and working on your philosophy and that kind of thing, but he, you know, he certainly made the right noises, and, you know, as well as Wenger and Guardiola talked about uh, the, 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 the great um, football Montes and, and mentioned the, the, the managers. So I mentioned a few great non-managers, so I'd expect him to play nice football or to encourage nice football. Um, I think he'll have the respect of a lot of the players. Um, and, you know, certainly I think he's going to bring a lot of passion into the game. And I think he, you know, he can muck around, but he needs to be very serious as well. So I do have high hopes, but it is it is going to be a big challenge for him. And you know, everything that Adam said about how uh, really it's, it's Monaco that, that lets Jardim down rather than the other way around. Um, or he is inheriting what is a little bit of a mess there. Um, I'm not sure it bodes well either that the said yesterday that they, they, they have no intention of changing the project. But you know that, that's something that only doesn't have to worry about until next summer. Um you know, he, he, needs to, he needs to get Monaco safe and then and then see what else he can do this season. Um, and I think he should, you know, as Venga said today, let's be honest, only two teams definitely go down and it would be a massive shock if, if Monaco do end up going down. Um, frankly, I think if they do, I'm not sure we'll, we'll still be there when, when that happens because I think it will, it will have to have gone very, very wrong between, between now and then for, for Monaco not to get out of the bottom three. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it really could go either way, but um, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I've always loved Donnie as a, as a great striker and great great servant to France. But um, I really hope it works out. But I think it will, but I think there'll be a few think problems first.
0: Well, this is the interesting thing. They're only eight points, really, off sixth already. I know, obviously, tables will morph and change, but they, they're not enormously far off the the hunt, at least, anyway. With that strange pack of, of seven, with a, about a point between them, but they don't have the easiest test to start off with at, at Strasbourg. And Adam, I remember talking about this at the start of the season, where we talked about Strasbourg in the first two games that we weren't really sure where they were. They went through a bit of a, a of a bland patch, but then they've sort of recovered with the last couple of results, especially. They were maybe a little bit unlucky not to win um, last time out against Angers. A late goal saw to that, and they did well against Dijon the week before. But one man in particular I want to pick out here, and he, surprising given that how good Lille were at the start of the season with him in the lineup, is uh, Lebo Motiba, who's uh, grabbed a couple of goals in the last couple of weeks. He's got four while he's joined <laughs> um, the Alsace side. What do you think to the South African? I mean, Leo's reportedly have a buyback clause in it surely they're going to be thinking of activating that aren't they if he carries on in this form
1: yeah i think i think that absolutely i mean when you sort of look at the leo team perhaps the one there, the one thing they're kind of missing is a is a cent- i know a lot of Kremis there but one thing they're missing is kind of a central striker who is who is sort of prolific and and i think the thing with leo matiba he's only 22 he had a, a really good season in on loan in Ligue and one thing he does do is is He's, he's clinical. You know, he takes his chances really well. He's a really, really good finisher. He's a natural finisher, which perhaps Lille, you know, lack. Um, although, um, you know, look, Remy is an experienced player and and he's and he's been around the block and we've seen him be prolific or at least a, a good goal scorer in, in other leagues and for other teams. He hasn't shown that at all at Lille yet. Obviously, slow starts of the season and couldn't play for a little bit because of the, the sort of contractual issue that he suffered at the very start. So he might take a while to get to get going, but if I was a Leo fan, watching Leo play every week and watching Leo Matiba score goals, who who we had at the start of the year, I would be wondering why we sold him and we and we kept hold of, of Remy. So, um, I think you're absolutely right. They they would be left. They did have that that sort of that option to bring him back. Then then they would certainly certainly take that. And and this was the good thing for Strasbourg is that this has been their issue um since they got promoted at the start of last season is that they, they struggled to find a, a consistent goal scorer. You know, they had Stefan Behoken who who went left for Angers, and 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 Nuno de Costa who was very, very sort of sort of patchy. Um if Leo Matiba can prove to be this this consistent forward that they've been looking for, then that they've got the the sort of the DNA, if you like, that the, the the support behind him to become a, a quite a threatening sign we talked about how at the start of the season how they they got some good results but they were a little bit sort of characterized by the fact they got a couple of settings off against netting and bordeaux and they played against temen for a certain amount of time but since then you know that their form has been relatively you know relatively okay and they're in they're in the top half as it stands and and i think if matuba can get sort of double figures this season then a top half finish for strasbourg wouldn't be out of the rounds of possibility which considering you know they they came up for national not too recently ago, and 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 they 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 survived just about the end of last season when we talked about that slide that they were on, and they they seemed to have timed it at the right time, and then they were suddenly in danger, and they suddenly rescued it. You know that, that could be a real achievement for them. So I think, um, yeah, Leo, first of all, Leo would be upset. Leo fans at least would be upset to be to be rid of Matiba and, and and looking looking for a place to a, a person, to, a player, sorry, to take that centre striker role. But Strasbourg would be extremely grateful for the. For for the fact that Matip is now playing for them, and and if he can make, maintain his form, he he'll he could be the catalyst that brings him into a, a top half finish, which should be, as I said, a superb achievement for a team that have have sort of shot up through the leagues and 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 were f- very fortunate to stay up last year.
0: And then when you add in that a mid table finish brings the the finances and the prestige mm-hmm. of it, and you you add in that it's a a club with a great stadium that that gets packed out every week as well and they, they start to think that finally, but unlike some other league and clubs, it's more of an established uh, side that maybe can build themselves into a, a real mm. league. Uh, um, well, not heavyweight necessarily, but shall we say a nice comfortable middleweight? That will be a nice way <laughs> of putting it at least. Anyway, um, So predictions in this one, I'll start off and I think Thierry probably gets off to, a, to an honourable start, but maybe with a shaky little moment at least, let's go for a 2-1 Monaco win. Uh, Adam, what do you think?
1: This is an extremely difficult game to read, isn't it? With Strasbourg, as you mentioned, it's the home crowd and they're very good at home and the Henri debut. I, I think a draw, I think to all. Jess? I'm
2: going to reluctantly say that Strasbourg are going to be party people. I think um, there's not necessarily anything special that they're going to do, but I think Monaco are a little bit decimated at the moment. They've got a couple of players out suspended. I think I only said today that both their goalkeeper, both their starting a number two goalkeeper are out. Um, even the, the players that are sort of fitted relatively in form have probably been playing international as far featured quite a lot in both Colombia's matches and, and you know, cropped up the air miles this week as well. So, uh, whilst well, I said, I expect Monaco to, to get out of trouble. I think it might start next week onwards. And I think Strasbourg might get this one too, much. Right?
0: It's going to be an interesting watch. I'm sure plenty of eyes will be on that game, at least. But most eyes will also be on Sunday night's game. As always, the 8 o'clock game is between Nice and Marseille this time around. And two interesting sides, at least, given how they finished before the international break. And Jez, I'll start with yourself and Marseille. Look at them. They got the victory against Caen which was it was nice, but they're still maybe seething a little bit from the, the loss to Lille and the, the draw in the Europa League. And also with European matters still on the horizon as well, a big double header against Lazio. if they want to stay in Europa League contention? It's an interesting one, especially given the stick that their main playmaker, Tovan, got after the friendly against uh, Iceland. He didn't particularly perform anywhere near the level we expect of him, but... <coughs> Maybe the going back to Marseille and and creature comforts uh, suit him much more favourably.
2: Yeah, possibly. I mean, first of all, I, d- I don't know if he's if he's going to be fit for it. Cause he he pulled out the France score before the Germany match because of a because of a foot injury. But assuming he's back, he must, yeah, this would be a good time to to sort of make a statement that you know at the very least is still playing good club football. Um, it's it's kind of a an intriguing match, from Marseille because as as usual, that Europa League side they're kind of winning the matches you'd expect them to win and losing the the, the sort of bigger ones. And they beat Monaco, but Monaco are not really the um, you know, top club so far this year. So this is this is one where you know away to Nice, who are kind of still not really sure how, how strong an outfit they are under if this this would be a really good. A good match for, for Marseille to, to make a statement and show that they can go to a difficult place to go and, and, and get a good result um, I, I think the, the sort of pros and cons of Marseille have basically been the same for for the last what, 15 months or so um, as I said but you know able to beat the smaller teams but possibly sometimes shown up when, when they go up at, at class. class. Um, so and and still a relatively thin squad, which means that sometimes um, Garcia is putting sort of square pegs and round holes. And the obvious one, I think, is is Luis Gustavo, who um, you knows every time he's not played in central midfield, I think he is, it's a waste. And I, I think they look so much a better team when he's looking comfortable in his preferred position. Um, but again, they they're still. There are match winners all the way through the team. If you know, told plays, even if he doesn't, Pyatt's in good form. The was in good Marseille form before before the, the break. And I think he's still going for Greece possibly during the break as well. So um, there's no reason why they shouldn't come into the match thinking that they can get a win. But you know, certainly if they want to keep in touch with Lille, it's putting a lot of pressure on them. They, they need to get results in matches like this, both like to, to stay in touch with second place and, and also just to again just show that this, this project under, under Errol and the uh, court is, is, is going in the right direction which sometimes it's, it still feels like it's sort of stagnating it's, it's plateauing but it's not actually moving forward and you want to see a bit of progress um, you know building on the foundations that, that they, they sort of established last season and I'm not sure yet that that's really happened
0: and we'll wait and see if they can maybe build on that when they got last time out against the knee side, Adam, that have ebbed and flowed is maybe the best way of putting it. They, they started poorly. They, they recovered somewhat, but have stumbled as of late again. But at the same time, I hope Patrick Vieira is not hearing this because he might hunt me down. But are they boring? Um.
1: I uh, perhaps I think that's an interesting an interesting way to to look at it. I think from Vieira's point of view um he, he might argue that given that the squad was again you know a little bit a little bit sort of stripped in the in the summer and he was left with, with you know very few options. Um although Balotelli didn't leave, he, he may as well have, um, given given his performances and the fact that he's been injured and, and outside and, and looking like the Balotelli that we saw at Liverpool rather than the Balotelli we saw at Nice for the last two years. He he's his his options are so much weaker and, and so much more less, you know, so much so so fewer than Lucien Favre had um at his disposal then he has to he has to find a way to win and it and and rather than it being you know the 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 more attractive brand of football that Lucien favre um is, you know espoused it, 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 it is it's necessary and and i think fair play to him for for recognizing that that need and and for trying to implement it because and um, if he tried to sort of play, you know, it, given his reputation as a player and, and him coming in and to a, an exciting club, if nothing else, and a club that's performed really well in the last few years, the easy thing would have to do is that he felt like he would have had to attack and he would have had to go for similar results to that Lucien Favre and Claude Puel achieved, which perhaps he realised quite quickly wasn't really possible. So playing this more pragmatic style, this more, more conservative style, boring, mm. it, it might be a characterization of it. Um, means it, it is the right thing to do, unfortunately. And although you know, this nice is sort of the, the, the fact that they've lost so many players over the last, the last few years, the last few months, even, um, means that we, we won't have the same competitive side that we had before. But Padoviera um, has, has found a way to get limited results from what is a limited squad at the moment. To be honest, you know, when you when you look through that, look through the team, and and you think that. The, you know they they lost players like Seri, who was the real creative hub of the team. Didn't really replace him. They lost Alison Player, who was the real engine in terms of goal scoring and, and creativity in forward areas. I know Balatelli had a really good end to last season, but Player was the consistent one. Lost him. Didn't really replace him. I know Miley has come in, but he's 19 and and and, and not the same calibre just yet. And even when you look at defense, you look at Suke and 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 Le who left. Um, it, it really is as is a team stripped of their best players. So. I think fair play for him to, 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 to recognising that fact and, and getting limited results uh, overall. Um, one thing I wanted to just point out with, the, with this game in particular is that this game has sort of become an underrated um, rivalry in League. and You know, these two sort of South Coast, mm-hmm. South Coast rivals since the sort of 2016-17 season, they've had pretty much every game has been really, really good. Um, you look at the last four results: two-one at the Velodrome last last season when Balotelli took the lead, you know, Nice the, the lead um, really early on. Four-two the previous game, uh, Marseille away at Nice. Uh, Luis Gustavo was sent off. 2-1 at the, the end of the previous season when Lewis and when um Patrick Eiffel scored a diving header. That was a really raucous game, classic velodrome sort of atmosphere. And then the 3-2 earlier that season. So I think this, we've seen some fantastic gains that we discussed on the pod previously uh, between the top four. Marseille and Nice is be, is, should be included in that discussion because the last sort of four or five encounters have been really, really exciting. So Hopefully, that boring, that boring sort of characterization of Nice won't necessarily continue here. That the, the, the Rorsch's atmosphere of, of 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 the Allianz Riviera, hopefully, will, will will produce a really good game. So I'm looking forward to this one. So hopefully, we'll will see a less, a, a sort of a more than a more than conservative Nice, a, a much more expansive one in in this game.
0: Let's hope they're not. Um boring but let's let's let me try and avoid that word as much as possible let's hope I don't meet to patch Vieira anytime soon at least anyway <laughs> Jess what's your prediction in this one
2: um, I'll go with Adam I think it's going to be a good game and I would say Marseille to nick it
1: 3-2 Adam yeah I would agree I think goals again and Marseille to win 3-2
0: you two are very optimistic about this game. I, 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 I think Marseille are going to win this one 2-0. I, I, I'm not at all fanciful of this uh, Nice side at the moment. They've been really disappointing. Uh, they, they were probably a little bit lucky, really, in the end of the day to, to get anything in that to lose game um, last time out. So um, I, I'm going 2-0 Marseille. I think they uh, might reassert themselves a little bit. Nice feel like a very much a, a middle of the pack team this season. Uh, oh, that's all for this week. My thanks to Adam, Jez, and all of you, listening at home. Uh, Do join us for the main show that's back on Monday Uh, but for now, enjoy your weekend of football.